Welcome to Everything Life Coaching with John Kim and Noel Cardo, founders of Journey Coaching. If you're inspired to begin your own life coaching practice or just want to learn a little bit more about what it's all about, visit journey.co. That's J-R-N-I dot C-O. Hey guys, on today's episode, we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics, relationships, coaching clients through relationships. Noel, good morning. Good morning and woohoo. I'm well, I'm well. And I love this topic as well. Um, I think it's one of the things that brought us together early in our coaching careers. Mm. How come this is an important topic for you? Um, well, well, just going back to what you and I just said, Noelle and I are different in many ways, but where we overlap is we both went through a rebirth after divorce. Yes, very yes. much so. And John, you've made this a huge focus of your career, of your content. And before I was the head of Journey Coaching, I was in a PhD program for human sexuality. So my background is sex, sexuality, relationships. I love this stuff. It's like brain candy. Yeah. And I think with me, because I started to document um, the aftermath and uh, rebuilding of myself after my divorce, I started to attract uh, people who wanted to um, have sessions. And then they were mostly relationship-based because I think, uh, and I didn't know this at the time, I was just being me, but I was indirectly marketing myself to that demographic by creating that conversation about relationships and breakups and feelings and all that. Oh, yeah. And let's be real, relationships make the world go round. You know, concepts of love, friendship, family, that's what people talk about. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I, I also believe that uh, you can use any relationship as a way, as an incubator to your own growth. Very much so. So let's get into this. Um, I like to use Seligman, Martin Seligman's PERMA model as a framework to understand, okay, you know, in coaching, in positive psychology, where do relationships fit in? And so when we're pulling back here and looking at PERMA, P-E-R-M-A, that stands for positive emotion, Mm -hmm. engagement, meaning intellectual or physical being really engaged in your life in one of those two spheres, Um, positive relationships having meaning, and then being able to attach to accomplishments. So if we're saying, okay, you know, Seligman has five spokes on this wheel, having healthy relationships is one fifth of what you can do to impact your relationship with authentic happiness. Remember in grade school, when you go in the cafeteria and there would be posters about the four major food groups? Yes. It would say like, you need your veggies, you need your carbs. And it was, it was some kind of, um, cause I, I remember it just being imprinted in homeroom class and this is the way to eat. Um, PERMA feels like that poster for wellness. I agree completely. <laughs> exactly. I love it. I mean, I looking at these topics, it's like, this is actually how you, um, have a, 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 a fulfilling life, positive emotion, engagement, relationships, meaning and, and, and accomplishments. It's great. Absolutely. Relationships is one of the major food groups, guys. Right. Yeah, the major food groups in your life. Absolutely. All right. It, it is. Yeah. It is. And and you know, when we say positive relationships, I want to 
really get clear here that when we're talking about having a positive relationship, it doesn't mean that your relationship is rainbows and unicorns and sprinkles and sparkles day in and day out. What is that? How do you see that, John? Yeah, what a great point. You're absolutely right. And I think part of this is just, you know, uh, Disney movies and commercials and advertising on what love should look like. But yeah, um, positive relationships, positive emotion, uh, positive relationships um, um, doesn't mean, yeah, it doesn't mean that it's... um, um, you know, firing dopamine in your in your in your head uh, constantly. It doesn't mean that it's easy. Uh, relationships are actually really hard. I think it's 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 more hard than easy. Absolutely. I agree, and I think you know, kind of going back to this idea of Disney. Not to pick on Disney. Disney's great. Mm-hmm. You know, I love Cinderella, but. When, when we're thinking about how did we get here and looking at um, our aspects of existence, so much of what we've been taught, we quote unquote, should be thinking, feeling, saying, doing, and experiencing comes from uh, pop culture, right. comes from movies, comes from Hallmark cards, comes from Coke commercials, and that's not real life. No, and we try to trace that. And when we can't, we feel that there's something wrong with us. We feel that the, you know, love is lacking and all of that stuff. Absolutely. So whether it is a relationship with yourself, with your friends, with partners, with your chosen family, with your kinship family, having a positive relationship means that you have effective ways of communicating and existing within that relationship that will carry and sustain you through life, yeah. not just feeling happy all the time. Yeah. Let's talk about the tenets of a healthy relationship. Yes. So we know that love, intimacy, and strong emotional and physical interactions with other humans is what's required for us to feel whole, mm-hmm. complete, um, in relationship with others. Yeah. Um, Strong relationships also provide support in difficult times that require resilience. Yes. And this is because we're social animals who are hardwired to depend on other humans. And I think that we get stuck on this idea of the binary, which is one man, one woman in it together. Mm -hmm. And that's really a modern concept that doesn't at all reflect the reality of life or the anthropological history of how humans actually live. Right. And it's uh, it's changing now. I think there's a lot more conversations about other types of relationships, open relationships, uh, you know, all that stuff. It's not just, uh, you know, we're curious about other um, formats, not uh, instead of just monogamy. Oh, 100%. And let's expand this idea of relationships beyond um, romance. So, mm-hmm. you know, the neurobiological definition of love is a micro moment of agreed upon mutual care. So I experience that with my dog George every day. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I experience it with my, every my day. child, my daughter. Yeah, and George um, and Logan are both pretty cute and fuzzy. Yes. Um, so, but you know, it's it's eye contact. It's that micro moment mm-hmm. of agreement for mutual care that actually builds um, the the little crystals and bubbles of love in our brains and bodies that give us that boost of oxytocin, dopamine, norepinephrine, serotonin, and so on, and really kind of 
creates this force field of resiliency in our brains. So how do we coach people on relationships? Yes. So at Journey Coaching, where we start working with our students is that there are three layers that we need to tend to in terms of clients. And looking at these three layers helps us understand and see the world as greater than the self, greater than um, the binary, and greater than any preconceived ideas that we have. So we start with the self, the relationship with the self. Mm -hmm. Then we talk about relationships with intimate others. And then, of course, we have relationships with kin, extended, or chosen family. Yeah, it's like almost like um, circle circle ring is going, moving outward, right? Starting with self, how that ripples into relationships, and then, of course, with community. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the theories that I really like working with is um, from the world of emotionally focused therapy, otherwise known as EFT. Mm -hmm. And this was developed by Susan Johnson as a framework. And the, the I'm a huge fan of externalization. So before we get into the theory, let's explain what externalization is. John, do you want to take a swing at it? No, <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> I don't. I don't feel like I know enough. What do you mean by externalization? Externalization is when you take something that is bugging you or something that is problematic for you, and you move it outside of the self or outside of the relationship so that you can view it in a different way. So for example, if someone um, is experiencing shame mm -hmm. around finances, mm -hmm. we can externalize that feeling of shame by saying, oh, well, let's give it a name and a face. You know, oh, let's turn right, it into right, right. A, a gremlin. Let's yeah. get creative with it. So you're talking about creating uh, creating healthy distance. So you're talking about uh, not internalizing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not internalizing it. And I think that with relationships, it's so easy to do that. That if you know you have a partner or you have a friend or you have a family member that's in a bad mood, mm -hmm. it's so easy to say, oh my God, it must be me. There right. must be something right. wrong with me. Do you see that happen in your coaching? Yeah, absolutely. Um, people tying their worth, their value, um, you know, uh, their appearance, uh, a lot of things uh, to the relationship, to how they're treated. And, and also, uh, you know, um, judging someone else's uh, behavior um, tying that tightly to uh, your own. So like if someone um, is upset or is mad, instead of um, creating that distance and allowing you know uh, them to be on their own journey, feeling like it has something to do with you, like you're not loving them enough, you're not being there, whatever it is, right? You're doing something wrong. Yes, yes, yes. And thank you for those examples. And that's a great setup for this concept. So in, when we're looking at um, working with relationships, the way that I like to work with clients is you have person one, you have person two, and they're in their own life container. And then the relationship itself, the relationship itself is a third entity that has its own life, its own life cycle, its own health, its own sickness, and both parties are responsible for tending to the relationship. 
Yeah, and the reason why things like codependency and enmeshment stunt growth is because it doesn't allow for that. It's almost like, you know, uh, the image I always use is uh, two people in the jacuzzi instead of in their own bathtubs holding hands. Um, that enmeshment, that codependency uh, prevents the relationship from being its own thing that's greater than its parts. A hundred percent. And so if we're really, you know, rolling with this thing, when you're able to separate yourself from the relationship and to say, hey, this relationship is actually a third entity. I get to have my life, my partner, friends, or family get to have their life. And the thing that we're both responsible is for the relationship that exists between us. So what are we both contributing to that thing? And if my partner's in a bad mood, is that impacting not me and my life, but our relationship. Yeah. And you know what's great about this is whenever there's something greater than you, whether it is a relationship or a company or a, a belief or whatever, um, you become more fearless. And you also, uh, you're, you're, uh, you're able to put you know, ego aside. You're able to um, compromise more. You'd be giving all of that. All of that. And, you know, since we're on this topic, I'm going to climb on my little um, soapbox for 30 seconds and say that social media is the devil, right? Mm -hmm. So we have to constantly be aware of the pressures that we're putting on ourselves to look, feel, think, and act a certain way to perform mm -hmm. or to demonstrate healthy relationship, because that's a huge pressure that we contend with. And that's a huge pressure that coaching clients live with every day. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Have you ever felt that kind of pressure to perform or show your relationship on social media? Sure. Absolutely. Um, and also because I am um, a therapist, um, I sometimes feel judged. And also because I talk about relationships that uh, my relationships should be perfect and, and they're definitely not perfect. Oh, yeah. No relationship is perfect. No. And I remember um, when I was married the first time, um, that came up for me, mm -hmm. that my relationship was suffering. The relationship itself wasn't healthy. But gee golly, if you looked at my Facebook page, how perfect everything certainly appeared. How amazing would it be? How, how empowering and, and powerful would it be if people only posted everything that they were struggling with in their relationship instead of um, how, how quote unquote um, perfect their relationship is, which is not true. Absolutely. I was just, I was thinking that this morning or somebody that I went to high school with that I admired and um, she's been partnered with somebody for a really long time. They have three beautiful children. Uh, she went dark and then all of a sudden, a couple years later, pop back up, new last name. And I was like, oh, Okay. <laughs> like that changed, that shifted. Mm -hmm. Things probably weren't exactly as they seemed. Yeah. Yeah. So um, let's talk about uh, Albert Ellis. Yeah. Albert Ellis is great. So, you know, let's frame this one um, because we're talking about, okay, we're, we're working on relationships. We're working on the health of the relationship itself. Um, we're working on how we uh, or our clients relate to the relationship. Mm -hmm. So if we just stick with the example of, my partner's in a bad mood, this impacts me, period. Right. Does it? Does it impact you? Or are we getting our clients to look outside of themselves? Does it impact the relationship? 
really? Or can you end the relationship exist quite happily if your partner happens to be in a bad mood, right? Mm, Yeah. And that's the work. That's what's hard. That's the work. That's the work. So how do we help people do it? Albert Ellis, a renowned psychologist and researcher, developed a technique called emotional interval training. Mm -hmm. And when we use this technique, we push ourselves out of our comfort zone for a brief period of time, and then we reel back in. So this is all about um, trying on new behaviors and experimenting Mm. with new ways of being so that we can gain competency with relating to ourselves and others in a different way that puts a heck of a lot less pressure on us to be all the things and do all the things um, in relationship with others. Yeah. So he was actually terrified of talking to women. So he sat in a park and he forced himself to actually um, face his fears and uh, started talking to women and, and practicing that way. Correct? Yes, you're 100% right. He sat on a park bench in Central Park in New York every day, um, and he realized that no one puked, no one called the cops, and he eventually beat his fear of talking to women. And that is an awesome coaching technique, creating an action step to take you out of your comfort zone to try new and different behaviors, whether you're thinking, feeling, seeing, saying, or doing. And this differs from therapy in its action. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's action-oriented. It's um, helping the client give herself a new experience leading into her resistance. Um, It it kind of reminds me of um, the fitness world, Mm -hmm. you know, doing something that is uncomfortable. Doing something that's uncomfortable, pushing through so that you can get to a new threshold of existence or awareness. So if we were conducting therapy with Albert, we'd probably be going backwards, looking at his past, looking Mm -hmm. at his family of origin, processing the way that he sees the world, processing his thoughts and feelings and trying to get him to become comfortable with who he is. And then, and this is a really important demarcation line because this is where coaching picks up and says, all right, Albert, you have all this awareness. What are we going to do with it? Mm -hmm. We're going to go to a park bench and we're going to sit there and take action in life in order to move forward. Yeah. That's what I love about coaching is it really emphasizes, you know, the, 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 the execution piece and without the execution piece, um, you don't have a lot of growth. You just have a lot of ideas. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's do some tips. Um, If you're thinking about everything you've ever learned about being in a healthy relationship, what advice can you give to our listeners? Um, For me, it would be uh, respond instead of react, something I'm still working on. I think that's a big one. Uh, Try to understand before trying to be understood. I did the complete opposite and ruined a lot of my relationships. And I think the third one, I I always do the rule of three. I can't do two. There has to be three. So um, maybe the third one would be, uh, and it's something that you actually uh, talk about a lot, lot, and it sounds simple, but it's something we forget. And it's just just being kind. You know, we forget. It's hard. It is hard. It is hard. And, and you know, thank you for bringing that up. Um, Yeah, kindness always. Um, 
and I'm going to piggyback on that and I'll give my three. So, um, whether it's a relationship with yourself, um, others in your chosen family or an intimate relationship, um, treat the relationship itself gently. Mm, Yeah. With care. Treat it as if with care. Treat it as if it's fragile because the relationship itself, you know, is fragile. Um, the second one is communicate, 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 yeah, communicate. Yep. Always, you know, use your words, say your words. When you hold things inside, um, that's when you get spun. That's when you start to imagine. That's yeah. when it's harder yeah. to understand that the relationship actually exists outside of you, not inside of you. And then my third piece um, is that relationships are not currency. Mm. And relationships are not meant to be used as currency. And so if you find yourself trying to use your relationship as currency for some reason, that's a really good point to check yourself and say, who, who am I doing this to please? Or what am I doing this to prove? Mm -hmm. Wow. I love that. That's a great, um, little box set tips, uh, in a, in a shot class for, uh, relationships. Yeah, a hundred percent. And guys, if you want to do a deeper dive on this, um, we run, you know, two full classes, two full segments on relationship coaching at journey coaching. And this is one of the things that we work on as an organization is healthy relationships for and with each other. And wow, the outcomes are phenomenal. Yeah. And also, um, relationships are never going to go away. So if you are no. interested in helping other people with relationships, uh, it's in, there's an endless market for people um, who want to, I'm going to use it as a verb, relationship better. Yay. I love that. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Be well. Ready to cut through the BS of becoming a coach? Snag John and Noelle's six-step guide to becoming a life coach at journey.co slash everything. That's J-R-N-I dot C-O slash everything. If what you've heard here today speaks to you and you want to learn a little bit more about becoming a coach, visit journey.co, J-R-N-I dot C-O. We've graduated nearly a thousand coaches and offer vibrant community, strong lifetime support, and world-class coaching education. We're fully ICF accredited, and look forward to watching how you use coaching to make a bigger impact in the world around you.